0: Welcome back to the Shema podcast, my friends. I have a topic I want to discuss with you. It's the topic of prophecy. But Before we delve into this, I want to share with you a story that occurred to me. It was a very profound experience that led me to want to talk about this. This is about five or six years ago. I had hurt my left shoulder working out. I met with a trainer. He had me show him how I do a bench press. And he said, no wonder your shoulder's killing you. You're holding your elbows out. And when you drop down, you're just hitting your rotator cuff. You're supposed to damn move your elbows in and pull back on your lats. So he said, just stay away from it for a while and come back to it. So I stood away for it for six months, came back, still hurt. Years went by, couldn't do the bench press. I just relied doing pushups. For some reason, that did not bother me. But here's what happens next out of the blue, that left shoulder starts aching nonstop. And it slowly grew to where it was like an excruciating sharp pain. Every night when I was sleeping, if I rolled on my left shoulder, I jumped up in my bed because it hurt so bad. And it got so intense one night. And every night when I would begin to take my shirt off, It was like, that was the worst moment of my day. It was pulling the shirt over my head because it hurt my shoulder so bad. Till finally one night, I couldn't do it. I couldn't take my polo shirt off my body because it hurt so bad. And at that point, my wife said, go to the doctor. So I set up an appointment with a orthopedic sports doctor. And he he did the MRI. And we got that back. We reviewed it. And he said, Dan, I have some bad news. You have severe arthritis in your left shoulder. And the reality is is that the rest of your life is going to be all about pain management. Maybe we can do some surgery, but really it's just playing with the drugs and finding something that's going to alleviate the pain for you. So he wrote me a prescription and said, I want you to come back in a couple of weeks and we'll see how this works. And as I was Driving to the pharmacy, I was thinking just, no, this is not what I want. I know how this plays out. You take one drug and it creates a side effect that they give you another drug for. And then you have this life of taking all these drugs that are causing all these new complications. And I sat in my car in the parking lot, the pharmacy, just thinking. And then finally got back to my basics and said, Hashem, why are you doing this? Would you please heal my shoulder? And then a light bulb went off. And I remembered something that I had known so intently before earlier in my studies. And that was that what caused my shoulder to ache is not because my form wasn't right. Yeah, maybe that was the case. Maybe that's what Hashem orchestrated in order to create the illusion that the pain ensued in my shoulder for some other reason other than him. But the truth is what I realized is Hashem, you caused my shoulder to hurt. So before I even get to asking you, will you make it stop hurting? I need to find out why you made it start to ache in the first place. So I did not go into the pharmacy. I drove home, called my office and said, cancel all my appointments. I need a personal day. I came home, I shut off my computer and I just sat at my desk and asked Hashem, what are you trying to tell me? You're trying to get my attention. I get it. What are you trying to tell me? And after asking and pleading, I finally saw it. And it was so clear. It was so obvious. It's so embarrassing. It was was such obvious misconduct that had been going on that entire time for years now since the pain originally emerged. I never stopped and thought about it. And once I saw it, it hurt more than the shoulder. And I started crying and I did Teshuvah and pleaded with Hashem to forgive me. And, and and I thanked Him for helping me see that. And that was probably three hours in my office, just talking to Hashem, crying. And about that time, my wife came home and she asked, did you go to the doctor? And I said, yes. And she said, well, what do he tell you? And instead of being totally divulging all the truth and saying he wrote me a prescription, which is in my pocket, which I did not fill. I just said, because at that moment, I realized my shoulder wasn't bothering me. And I said to her, it's going to be okay. And the next morning, the pain was gone. Two weeks later, I was just like, this is amazing. And I decided to put some weight on the bar into a bench press. And I did it. It didn't hurt. So I decided to stack on some more. I did it. It didn't hurt. And I finally loaded it up, and there was no pain. And I was so thankful. I never went back and fulfilled that prescription. The permanent severe arthritis I had didn't seem to be bothering me. It hasn't bothered me ever since. However, there was some moments where it started to ache a little bit. And around that, in that time frame, I heard Rabbi Ari Wolby talk about the Almighty gives us pain as a source of prophecy. I heard that lecture on YouTube and I was like, that's it. My left arm, my prophecy arm. And whenever I would start to feel a little bit of a pain, I would say, thank you, Hashem, for my prophecy arm. And I would immediately ask him, okay, what are you trying to tell me? I would see something that was not bad, but I could tell it was a thought or something that was going to lead me in that direction. I was learning how to be sensitive that and nip it in the bud before he had to make it scream nonstop before my thick head would finally realize it has nothing to do with your bench press form. It has something to do with something Hashem wants to get your attention with. And it was such an amazing insight that I wanted to bring Rabbi Ari Wolby on to talk more about prophecy in general and how pain is a way that we can receive a communication from the Almighty in our era. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights, intertwined through personal stories, as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars, demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. So thank you, Rabbi
1: Ari, for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back on the Shema Podcast. So can you maybe start
0: off with what prophecy is? Because I know the way I grew up, the way we learned it in Sunday school is Abraham or Abraham's good guy walking around. All of a sudden, the Almighty says, hey Abraham, it's me, God, and starts talking to him. And When I was a kid, I was like, well, why didn't he just talk to everyone? That would seem to make life a lot easier in the world. So... Explain a little bit about what prophecy actually is, why it went away, and how we seem to have
1: this little residue left of it through these other means. So, Dan, you may have noticed that when I walked into your lovely office here, I brought a book with me. And this is a book that was written by my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather's name was Rebbe Vrom Gurdzinski. He was the spiritual leader in the Slobatki Yeshiva in Lithuania, pre-Holocaust. He was a man who himself had great affliction and pain and suffered tremendously throughout his life. The the story is told that when he was about 12 or 13 years old some Lithuanian thugs threw him off a moving train and he was never able to walk again. They didn't have the medicine like we have today and he was never able to his feet were never able to hold him and he always needed two people to carry him wherever he went. When his youngest child was about 2 years old his wife passed away and he raised 11 kids. 11 children alone. Oh, well, this is a man who knew a thing or two about affliction and pain. A person who was handicapped without the ADA requirements of our US government, without right. having ramps for wheelchairs, they didn't have wheelchairs, and here's was a guy who was a not only a Torah scholar, but a Torah scholar who smiled and greeted every single person with a smile. Can you imagine that in every situation he was always happy. He was always cheerful. Well, as if he had no pain, and he is writing in this holy book that I am holding in my hands about pain and suffering and prophecy. So, everything I am going to share with you is from his teachings. Okay. okay, beautiful. You think about it. You know, you think of the great sages. You think of Reb Moshe Feinstein, the Chafetz Chaim. You know, the Brisker You think of the the greats of the Jewish people. Think of the holy sage, the Rambam, the holy sages of the of the Mishnah of the Talmud. They didn't know as much as the great prophets. The prophets knew every single syllable of Torah as Moshe spoke it. They heard it from Moshe. Think of Joshua the prophet. He heard it from Moshe himself. It's it's remarkable. It's the way it should be. The clarity that they had. Yeah. And yet they had the prophecy. They had the prophecy. Not the sages of the Mishnah. Not the sages of the Talmud. Not the Rambam. Not the Chafetz Chaim. They didn't have prophecy. It was the people who knew the Torah inside out, who heard it from Moshe himself, who had prophecy. So what was the purpose of prophecy? If They knew all of Torah. Right. So the purpose of prophecy okay. was to teach us the way to live life. Meaning, if you, had, if you were misguided, and we see this time and again throughout the prophets and the writings of the written law, You see this through Isaiah and you see it through, you know, Jeremiah, where they are pleading with the people to get on the right track. Guys, you're going off the path. Get back on track. Because many times when someone is observing the Torah, they get too much into the details and they're going, they go in the wrong direction sometimes. And that's why they had prophecy, which helped guide them, get them back on track. But there was a point where people would go to the prophet. They would knock on his door. He says, is, "Is the prophet available?" Okay, and he'd come in, say, "You know, I want to know what my purpose is. What's my, and he'd have a prophecy, and the prophecy would say, oh, you need to work on this, and you need to work on that, and you need to correct this, and you need to correct that.'" And they would—that's the way. So it really became like you know, almost like going to a, um, a card reading uh, fortune teller, right? And and you want to you want to you want to know what to deal with. So so you go to them, and they'll tell you and. No one should go to them because it's a a hoax and the whole thing is is nonsense. But but that's what people would make out of the prophets. Instead of using the prophecy as a way to guide life, it was a way to fix problems. I'm currently dealing with a challenge. What do I do? And it was was more of a diagnosis for a specific ailment as opposed to a big picture going the right direction.
0: Right. But but it was directly from the Almighty through them. The prophets were
1: acting like a... Like But at the point where the Almighty saw that people are no longer even listening to the prophets. They'd go to the prophet, the prophets say you have to fix this and that. And they're like, Okay, thank you so much. Go to the next guy who'll tell me something different. Then they would ignore the prophet. Right. And we and we're okay. thinking today we're like twenty first century Get me a prophet. I'll listen to everything he says. For sure. Well, and what's if he says, you know what? Get rid of your computer and get rid of your phone. And, you know, stop talking like that to your spouse and start behaving like this. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, like, don't tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. Okay, I'm following the Torah. And the prophets were trying to give guidance and the people were ignoring them. And we we read the, we read the Haftorah, which is from the prophets. We read it every week and we see stories like, What? How do these people do this? And why would they disregard what the prophet is saying? Right. So Hashem says, look, if you're not going to take the message from the prophets, I'm going to remove prophecy. So Hashem took away prophecy. So what did Hashem put it instead? How does Hashem communicate with us? The purpose of prophecy is to put us on a path. Okay. I once had a story. I was uh, actually, the reason I gave that class that you saw on YouTube was because it was a few weeks, about a week before Pesach, and I was about to take the steaming hot water in Kasher, my kitchen, and there was some water on the floor, and I slipped, and I ended up burning my entire hand. Right. And I said, "Ah!" Oh. I ran to the bathtub, I put on some flowing water, and I was sitting there in excruciating pain, you know, from, from my wrist to the end of my hand, completely burned. And I was thinking to myself, Hashem, What's the message? What's the message? What's the message? And I finally realized, I realized Hashem gave me that moment of prophecy. He gave me pain so that I can learn and connect with what is the reason behind it? What is the meaning behind it? What is the message behind it? And as soon as I got the message, I was sitting there with, I remember sitting there with my hand in the bathtub under the flowing water and suddenly I got it. I got the message. And it stopped hurting me. The pain went. I still had the burn. Yeah, it's going to recover. It's going to take a long time for the skin to recover. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to be sometimes even a little painful. But the real excruciating burning pain was gone. Because you got the message. I got the message. The prophecy. Exactly. Pain comes as a replacement for prophecy. Now, pain we also see in, in, in two weeks Torah portion, we see that Yaakov was ill. It's the first time anybody was ill in the history of the world. Nobody was, There was no sickness. There was no illness. Why? Because Yaakov prayed that Hashem, know, it used to be that people sneezed and they died. That's why when people sneeze, we say, it's gesundheit, you know, bless you, because that used to be the end of someone's life. They would sneeze and they would die. Their soul would depart. Jacob says, I don't want to die like that. He says, I want to know in advance when I die so that I can prepare myself for death. So God in, in, in introduced illness into the world. And illness is a way to inspire us to prepare ourselves for our impending departure. So illness can, is, is in a way a gift, preparing a person. It's not very pleasant at all times, but it's also a gift. Pain is a gift. It's a communicator. Now, the communication may be for us to correct a specific thing. Interestingly, you said your left shoulder was injured. Right. Right. I was once rounding second base on an all-grass field in Jerusalem, playing baseball. And I slipped and fractured my left shoulder. And I was in such, a, such excruciating pain. I had to walk about three miles to the nearest emergency room, holding my arm, not moving because it's such pain. And that, that also was an experience of, what does Hashem want for me? And to me, at that time, I was newly wed. I hadn't realized how important my left arm was, how important my left shoulder was. Because that was a Friday afternoon. I was playing baseball with a bunch of friends. And that night, or later on that day after, I got it slinged up in the emergency room. They said, sorry, we, we're no cast for you. It's a shoulder. We're going to we cast your whole body. There's nothing to do. Just got to immobilize it. So they tied it up. And they said, if you move, it's going to hurt. So you don't move. <laughs> very very matter of fact. Right. That afternoon, I took a shower. And I couldn't get the shampoo. Out of the container. And I couldn't get the soap out of the container. Today you have the easy dispensers. Right. But I wasn't able to get it out. I had to, how do you turn it over and get it into your hand and turn it back over? Right, exactly. I could, the most basic things I couldn't do, I couldn't cut the challah. Do you realize that when you cut the challah, you're a righty, correct? Correct. When you cut the challah, do you realize how much that left hand The left hand does. Right. The contrast <laughs> when it holds it. I never realized that. Yeah. So it's just sometimes just we've don't have gratitude for certain things. Exactly. And I felt at that time, Hashem was teaching me, you better start being grateful for what you have. You better start appreciating. It's a left hand. Come on. I'm a righty. I do everything with my right hand. Yeah. Let's see what you can do without your left hand. You know,
0: Rabbi, I was thinking this morning, so we got the alerts that a freeze is coming. And I was thinking back to last year when the freeze came and the the power grid went down and we didn't have running water. You're needing to put water into your toilet to get the flush. It was just like, it was such a chaos. chaos, right? But I remember after that experience, when people from work, I was finally booted back up talking to my colleagues. They're like, man, that's, that's horrible. I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. Today, my family is so excited we're having is like, we can't stop smiling when you just flush the toilet and when you turn on the sink and you get water, the ordinary like, things are so, ordinary things we're like, so excited about. It's like, so you guys don't are not experiencing what we're experiencing, you know? Now,
1: of course that fades, you know, over Very course quickly, week. I always tell people, you know, if you ever get to your car and you try to start the engine and it goes, like, Oh no, no. And you try it again and it still doesn't start. And then you call either Haverim or AAA, and someone comes, and they boost your car, and like, vroom, starts like, oh, that joy, that that, that pleasure that that I never realized, I never stopped to be thankful for. We take things for granted until Hashem takes it away from us. So maybe some of it just, it's a way of like really increasing
0: our joy, really, what it is, to take something away and then give it back to us in a lot of these instances
1: many times that sometimes it's the unfortunate casualty is that Hashem has to take away things from us in order for us to appreciate but why do we have to get into a situation where Hashem takes it away from us let's be thankful you know tonight we're starting the holiday of Hanukkah and I'm planning to start a new custom on Hanukkah is where I want every person before they light the candle in my family to say what they're grateful for because it's the holiday of lahodos u to give thanks and give praise to Hashem What are you grateful for? Are you grateful that you have oxygen to breathe? Are you grateful that you have lungs that work properly and a heart that beats 68,000 times a day? Are we grateful that we have feet that can carry us and that we can walk and that we can talk and that we can see? Are we grateful for those things? And I'm thinking, how many Hanukkahs have passed me by? I'm now 44 years old. Then I never even thought of that. To stop and give thanks to Hashem and not take a single thing for granted. I think our life will be different if we live with a gratitude. And I think that that's the purpose of pain is sometimes Hashem is waking us up. Sometimes it's a painful slap where Hashem is like, can you wake up already? Wake up. I'm trying to tell you. It's awesome. Life is great. It's delicious. And sometimes he's telling us like in my situation, you're off track. Correct. You're doing something wrong. Get back on track. You know, we do that with our, we we have that, uh, it's an amazing thing. My father was a pilot for many years, and I would fly with him a lot. He'd fly me to Yeshiva. He'd pick me up to come wow. for Shabbos. It was, it was very cool, a lot of fun. And I remember we were flying, and we're, okay, we're going in this, this direction. We're heading, you know, exactly the, uh, the coordinates, and we're, we're going exactly this direction. And I'd see my father be spinning this little wheel, this little wheel. He'd be spinning, you know, between the two seats, the pilot and the co-pilot seat. I asked my father, what are you doing? He says, this is called a trim. The trim is that we're heading in the right direction. We're locked in. But you have different winds aloft. We have many different winds that are pushing from different. Suddenly you have southwestern winds and you have northeastern winds. You have all these different. So, so with this, it makes a little adjustment to those different winds. You know, we are all, we have a certain trajectory for our lives. But we need to have a little trim. Right. We need to adjust to the little challenges, the little changes that are changing in our life. Sometimes they're big changes. Sometimes you have to turn that holy aircraft and head in a whole new direction. Why? Because there's something coming up in front of us. And many times Hashem is preempting a tragedy for us. I was just recalling with someone yesterday the story of Bilam and Balak. Moshe is writing the Torah. He's Hashem is dictating it. Moshe is just writing exactly as Hashem says. By Yomar Hashem and Moshe And Hashem said to Moshe, saying, and every single word as Hashem dictates it, Moshe is writing it. Then comes the story of Bilam and Balak. They want to destroy the Jewish people. They're standing on top of a mountain overlooking the Jewish camp. Did Moshe know anything about that? Moshe didn't know anything about it. Moshe is sitting with the camp. They're up there plotting against the Jewish people. So the discussion we had yesterday, me and a couple of friends, is like, why is that even in the Torah? The reason it's in the Torah is to tell you that there are many, many, many more times that tragedies are being averted without you even knowing about it. Oh, right. There are so many stories that happen to us every single day that we will never know about, that Hashem protects us from. But sometimes Hashem says, you know what? They need to get this pain. They need to get the suffering so that they correct their way. Let's talk about your grandfather, though, you touched on. He like a
0: totally off the charts, amazing tzaddik, Torah scholar, with such
1: adversity. And he never complained. Never complained. The only thing you would hear from him was joy happiness, Amazing. gratitude, being thankful for everything that he had. What are some of the things he discusses in the book as far as how he used this pain? So this is actually a very important part of his, uh, of the entire book. He dedicates probably the biggest chapter to pain and suffering. And he talks about how important it is to look at pain. You bump your head. Don't catch about the head, p- the pain. You know, you bump your head into a cabinet. Think what, is Hashem telling me here with the pain to my head that could have happened to my shoulder, that could have happened to my hand, it could have, you you stub your toe, what is going on with my feet that I need to, means Hashem is giving us direct messages to the organ that needs repair or that needs awakening. So if someone is, you know, bumps their, their shoulder, what does the shoulder represent in my life? Am I living with arrogance? Am I not humble enough? You know, maybe because that's the, You know, someone who's arrogant pushes their shoulders back, they puff at their chest. Right. Maybe that's an arrogance. Maybe they're they're not as humble as they should be. We don't know what it is as people outside. But when the message comes to us and it's our pain, we get that prophecy as individuals to learn for ourselves. That's why it's like, you know, the Torah tells us you should reprimand your fellow who does something wrong. But the Talmud warns us, he says... While it's a mitzvah in the Torah to reprimand someone who does something wrong, if they will listen, it's a mitzvah not to reprimand them if they won't listen. Right. And I say that when people have these different things, everyone's philosophizing as to what's the reason they got whatever tragedy or whatever. Oh, you know why that happened? Probably Hashem is trying... Don't be the prophet for someone else. Right, 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 right. Don't be the prophet for someone else. You have to... We have each our own... Baggage. We right. each have our own challenge. We yes. have our own life, our own world, and Hashem is communicating directly to us in our language.
0: This is our own personal communication with the Almighty. It's your Other own people prophecy. People
1: have their own personal. Correct. Situation. And that's why we should never be judging someone else. We don't know what their circumstances are. We don't even know what's going on in their day to day life. What maybe looking externally as happy is really the saddest thing in the world. What may be looking as a success could be the most, you know, a bankruptcy. We have no idea what's going on in other people's lives, which is why it's important for us to never judge without knowing 100% the circumstances. And it's almost never possible for us to know 100% the circumstances.
0: Right. So this is just for us. Correct. A tool for us, not for us to evaluate our our fellow Jew. I, I do recall... Studying with Rabbi Cohen and the Zohar where they're referring to the prison system that's baked into the world by the Almighty as getting sick. That's how the Almighty sidelines someone and basically puts them to where they're in bed, they can't go anywhere to get their undivided attention. And I, I remember that when I got COVID, like, okay, all right. It's not because... I didn't take this supplement or I went here. No. What caused that microscopic you know, virus to enter my system is the said, you n- need to focus on me for a little bit. Get away from work, me. And that contemplation, again, it was an opportunity where I learned a lot of things
1: that I need to sort of get recentered on. And I was getting off track. My, my perfect example for this is Yosef. Yosef learns his lesson. He goes into prison. And in prison, he meets the baker and the butler. And he learns his lesson. The second time he reveals the dream, he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, he suddenly realizes everything is from Hashem. He learned his lesson. And that's the goal. I think Hashem wants us to be living organisms. Hashem doesn't want us to be robots. We Oh, everything is figured out. We have everything. We know everything. Everything is just perfect in our lives. No. You know, dead people have no problems. They have no ups and downs. Living people... They have ups and downs. You look at their EKG, you see the heart rhythm going up and down and up and down and up and down. Why can't it just be a simple straight? Because straight is dead people. Living people have ups and downs. That's the beauty of life, is that we have struggles. And we have to embrace those struggles. So Rabbi, sort of wrap things up. I think the the main
0: idea here is that whatever something happens, even if it's like you said, stumping our toe, that we're sort of, wired and trained from the outside world that if you get a headache, go to the medicine cabinet, get an Advil or like me. Oh, I didn't have good form. Instead of getting to the real point is that always asking yourself, why did the almighty cause me to move in that direction and step my toe or cause my head to hurt and ask, what are you trying to teach me? And I think we all, if we just start training ourselves to do that all the time We'll start to see some amazing insights the Almighty is conveying right to us personally. That's correct.
1: It's it's so powerful. when Once we understand that we are being communicated to by the Almighty Himself directly, it's very powerful. It's invigorating. And I think it's, it's liberating for one to know, guess what? Hashem is directly communicating. I'm not a prophet per se, but I'm a prophet. Hashem is talking to me. And it's very important for... Each and every person to know we're in a world of a living world with Hashem. And we have to nurture that relationship with God. The more we invest in that relationship, the more Hashem invests in that relationship. Hashem responds to our input. Because Hashem is a loving God. A loving King. And He wants us to be in in that relationship with us. The more we bring Hashem into our lives, the more He brings himself into our lives and i assume he prefers just to tap us on the sh- shoulder
0: to slap versus slapping or punching us in the shoulder right definitely if we can be
1: a little more in tune to it if i can train myself we can all do that a hundred percent the 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 more in tune we are the less we need the big potch right amazing hashem should bless us all that we shouldn't need those strong messages. We should be able to figure out the subtle messages, the small little nuances that can hopefully put us on track and hopefully never get off track. But you know what? Everyone makes mistakes. It's not the mistakes that cost us. It's the not correcting from those mistakes that cost us. Hashem should bless us that we should always be in the right path. Amazing. Thank you. Amen. Thank, Thank you, you for coming man. on, Rabbi. Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at TorchWeb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you
1: may email him at president at TorchWeb.org.